Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champion. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Heart-rending. Exciting. Thrilling. Finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wester. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the boogie-woogie man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech Football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. here on the program. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Kobe Keith, throughout the night, passed away at the age of 63. He'd been battling cancer. A very private battle. Had the pleasure of meeting him uh, back in the mid-90s when I was doing my country radio show, did an interview with him, just very, very, very down-to-earth dude, funny guy, former football player, and may he rest in peace, yep. Tough news to wake up to, you know? It really is. It really is. Mike Burnup at 7.05, Jermaine Farrell, 7.35, David Smith after that. We'll preview the Super Bowl, review all the coaching hires in the NFL. Baker Team Hotline's open for you, 639-4900. Text line 744-2990. Anything that might be on your mind. similar type of weather day cold in the morning and then uh, we might approach around 50 degrees as we uh, move forward much warmer weather toward the end of the week during the day and throughout the weekend then it starts to cool off again middle of next week 
So we'll take it. We'll take it. I won't complain about it. I know that. So yeah, I mean, you go through all these passings of people in pop culture that we uh, grew up with, that we appreciated. And, you know, they always say it goes in threes. So we had Carl Weathers, now Toby Keith. You wonder if something else is going to come down the pike here soon. But uh, I guess I wasn't aware he was battling such terminal cancer. He kept his, like I said, he kept his uh, battle private, unlike a lot of these stars that want to get it out there and make it make it something that it shouldn't be. But, uh, so yeah, that's kind of um, major news to set back the morning, man. It really is. So, um our best to his family. Talented artist. Really was. Fun dude. And again, it always comes down to not taking yourself too seriously, right? And he was one of those guys. He had great success, appreciated his craft, but never really sat back and goes, yeah, I'm really, I'm really doing something that's going to be groundbreaking. No, he wasn't that guy. Wasn't that guy. But... Um, that song had just come out when I visited with him. They were doing the record label promotional tour with several other of the stable of artists. And over here at the, uh, back at the old New River Valley Fairgrounds, they had a bunch of those folks come in, and we were up there hosting. Q102 with me, Rick Allen. Your afternoon drive country favorite. And uh, we got to sit down and talk to Toby, and uh, he was terrific, terrific. Um, but in any event, we'll, we'll play uh, his songs throughout the day as a, as a tribute. Um, as most of you know, I'm not really big on the modern country music. I like Chris Stapleton. That's about it. That era, though, in the 90s, there were a lot of artists that I like, new artists. I think they kept their tradition alive. I think they wanted to pay homage to what the genre was supposed to be. And then it started to tilt in some major, major marketing, much like what has brought the downfall of all other genres of music. And I guess Shania Twain, the Faith Hills of the world, it started to become more of a a marketing piece as opposed to writing good country songs. But uh, he was kind of a throwback, Toby Keith. Had several texts throughout the day um, as we brought up the news yesterday about the SEC and the Big Ten, um, this unity that they're calling it a joint advisory group. And I was jumping around yesterday at work and I was trying to read as many articles as I could or just get some takes on it. And it was amazing how many of these basically said everything we talked about on the show yesterday. <laughs> that the the vibe around it all is that everyone is waiting to see now what the SEC and the Big Ten are going to do to finalize their breakaway in major college football. Because that's what this is leading to, as we discussed yesterday, and who might they take with them. And sure enough, I saw models just like we talked about. Will it be 40 teams? Will it be 48 teams? Then I saw an article about joint decisions being made. In other words, this is not unlike Apple and Microsoft teaming up. 
right, two major conglomerates, these two, the proprietors and the caretakers of college football, these two leagues, right, these two leagues are the ones that are running college. Well, don't fool you. The ACC, the Big 12, no longer the Pac-12. They're just afterthoughts. I mean, you can look at it. You can look at it any way you want, but they are. People around here won't want to talk about it because Tech's in the ACC, but it's just an afterthought. It's not, it's not a power position league. It's why Carolina and Clemson and Florida State won out so badly, and Miami as well. They understand the terrain before everybody else understands the terrain. And the ACC media is going to paint it as if these are just horrible people making these decisions. And these people are just so anti-ACC and they want out. All they want to do is complain. And, well, that's because they understand the bigger picture of all this. Notice it's the brand schools that are raising so much ruckus in the ACC. Right? The ones I constantly hear about are Florida State, Clemson, and Carolina. The most attractive brands to the new two schools in this advisory committee, right? Because they're not just looking at it as, well, we're trying to be disruptors of a conference. They understand where this is going. They probably have knowledge because they've spoken to both of these other leagues. They know where this is headed. This isn't about these schools. This isn't about Florida State trying to, you know, put itself ahead of the ACC like it's been painted by so many people, whether they work at ESPN or they're journalists that cover it. This is a school that understands where this thing is headed, and they're one of the traditional brands of college football, and they don't want to be left out, much like Virginia Tech. It's no different. They've just been the school that's been ballsy enough to actually put it into motion. Everybody else talks about it, right? Oh, this is horrible. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, we're just going to stay here and fist pump. Yay, ACC! Well, the first one that jumps ship is always the one under the most scrutiny, right? And that's what Florida State has dealt with. And I don't know what it's like behind the scenes. I don't know what kind of knowledge they have and what their legal team may have uncovered. But they're just trying to get ahead of the curve of where all this is going, right? And I think folks who try to paint this in a different light are just trying to be um, victims, right? Well, ACC's not good enough for him. No, it's not. You know what? The ACC's not good enough for Virginia Tech now. You want to stack up television revenue? You want to go back to the fact that Florida State won all their games and were left out of the championship playoff? What more evidence do you need what the national perception of the ACC is in football? And people want to jump all over Florida State because they're actually putting their money literally where their mouth is? Isn't that the American way? Instead of scrutinizing and complaining about what they're doing, maybe in-house these other schools need to say, okay, well, if they've been able to get to this point, what do we need to do to start thinking about this? All I know is every article that I read And everything is pointing to exactly what we talked about yesterday, that this is going to be the beginning of the separation of major college football, right? And this isn't anything that should surprise you. You're the smartest listening audience in radio. How long have we been talking about this? The last two and a half, three years? And we know this has happened. 
We know this is happening. And this is a power play. This isn't, and I've saw, I had a couple of text messages, well, this is going to fold just like the old eight, the uh, three-league uh, alliance. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. You see, when the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, and we've already seen how little backbone and really uh, structure, leadership, direction, whatever you want to call it, the Pac-12 had because it's defunct now. When those three leagues said they were going to swell up and do their little alliance. The alliance. That was more of just a reactionary, hey, don't forget about us. We have our hands up in the back of the class. We're still a league. I know old big old bad SEC and Big Ten, but hey, look at us. Look at us. We're joining arms. Look at this. We're standing on this hill. Come knock us off. Well, guess how long that lasted? What? A week? Two weeks? You see... They didn't have any financial backing. They didn't have any evidence that was going to show that those three leagues together were going to mean any more from a financial standpoint than they did separate. And sure enough, that's what happened. It ended up being to each his own. Pac-12 went defunct because of poor leadership, horrible greed, pitiful judgment, and because they misplaced where college athletics was heading especially in football. The ACC, they know they're going to lose these charter member schools sooner than later. Jim Phillips knows this league is going to not be the same probably in a year. So what do they do? They go out and they try to fortify their membership by adding three nonsensical schools into its league, SMU, Cal, and Stanford. The Big 12, of those three, of the original alliance, the alliance, has done the best part. They've done the best thing so far. They recovered from losing Texas and Oklahoma, at least in membership. They're never going to recover financially. They absorbed some of those Pac-12 schools, Colorado and Arizona et al., they've been very bold about wanting to expand more. still not enough and the reason that this advisory council between the SEC and the Big Ten is not going to dissolve and is only going to gain momentum and power is because they control the majority of the money their product their student athletes which is why they are going to become full-time employees or however you want to look at it part-time employees That's where we are. That's providing the revenue for these TV networks to go out and charge advertisers millions of dollars so everybody gets fat and happy. The Big 12, the ACC, and certainly the Pac-12 never, ever have had that kind of earning credibility. But these two leagues do. And they know it, and everybody else around college athletics knows it. Now it's a matter of do they, when they, and who they decide to bring with them as they completely tumble over the hill into their new era of what we're looking like in college athletics. Because that is exactly 
what this advisory council was committed to do before it was even announced that this is what we're doing. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're just getting started. We'll talk to Mike Burnup about this, get his take. I'll be curious to see what he thinks may happen. A lot of text messages, too, about the best fit for Virginia Tech if they ever get an invitation into the new advisory council. Well, you know, we're closer already, by the way, in case you heard the news story a little while ago. Um, those student-athletes at uh, Dartmouth out of the Ivy League, has, they've gotten their first part of their court case. I mean, they've been ruled in their favor, the first to continue going forward to try to become full-time employees of these universities, which you are anyway because of the NIL. And you are anyway, technically, because you sign a scholarship agreement back in the day, right, when we were told that was all they were going to get to come and perform your sport. That's what it was all about. And, of course, coaches can take away at the end of the year. They can take away your scholarship or they can renew it for another year, like most people's contracts at work. So everything is reactionary to how poorly the NCAA has done its business over the last 70, 80 years, right? That's, where, that's what this means. The reason this stuff is seemingly moving so quickly, although it doesn't really feel as if it's moving quickly, but it is, and the reason that everyone is so confident this stuff is going to happen is because anybody who's set aside from the NCAA and college athletics and just looks at the model that was in place and looks at all the things that were allowed and the things that were sovereigned only by the NCAA, they immediately go, my goodness, this is just, how long is this? I mean, this is just unfair practice. So, yeah, that's why there's so much confidence that all this is going to go the way that it's inevitably going to go. Someone asked about Miami. Why would Miami be attractive? Well, Miami's still a brand that holds a lot of the historical relevance of modern college football. I believe that if Miami were going to become part of all this, if they go ahead and decide to go to 24 each, which I believe is going to happen, they would have to build a new on-campus stadium. There would have to be a commitment there to get out of that Dolphin Stadium and quit having to make students go so far and go to so much trouble to attend games. The one thing Virginia Tech has over a lot of these schools that they don't have is this fervent fan base and this amazing atmosphere. And a lot of people might roll their eyes and think, oh, you're going to talk about the fans again. Yeah, I am. Because guess what? Fans mean money. And fans mean that, hey, even when Tech is on the road and maybe you can't afford to travel – you can't get there, right? You, you can't necessarily go to wherever you're going. Well, you can go back if you're one of these power leagues and tell your sponsors, well, you know what? Tech fans are going to be watching. They may not be there, but they're going to be watching. 
All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Good conversation. We'll get more into this with Virginia Tech and why I think one league over the other is clearly a better fit for the Hokies if all this does happen. Yeah, waking up to some more uh, tough news. Toby Keith passed away during the night. Been battling uh, stomach cancer for the last two years. One of the throwback uh, newer, uh, new modern country artists, right? I mean, not a lot of that today. But in any event, may he... Rest in peace. 62 years old. Mm. 639-4900. Text lines open 744-2990. Um, all right, so we don't know how all this is going to play out. And it makes no sense for the SEC and the Big Ten to have this advisory council and to join together if they're not planning on trying to obtain as many big brands as possible. And, of course, this discussion and the things that I read throughout the day yesterday surmise the same outcome. In other words, this is a power play to put themselves in a position now to start sending out invitations again. And I do truly believe it's going to be a joint venture with each each, uh, each of the um, conferences probably getting together and talking about how to maximize the deals. TV packages in the future are going to be centered around these two leagues. Maybe a joint two leagues. Who knows? Who knows? But they're going to force networks to offer much, much, much more money. If you think making over $100 million now a year, like the Big Ten is making, is a lot, well, wait do you see how much this thing's going to end up being if they go ahead and do what I think they're going to do. And I think 24 makes the most sense because then you can have your four divisions of six teams in each league, and then you can create your own playoff, right? There won't be any more 12-team playoff. There won't be any more four-team playoff. If you go to 48 and you create a separate division of your own college football and you break this thing off like Chip Kelly proposed and it's its own entity, right? Whoever is included. And you do keep the brands because I'm guessing they think the monetary value of those brands, and they're probably correct, to continue to call their divisions the SEC and the Big Ten going forward. Then... You create four divisions of six teams. Now, I'm not great at math, but six times four is 24. You take four division winners, and you play a semifinal in each conference. Whoever wins the SEC then plays the Big Ten champion side for the new college football national championship. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? 
you make the regular season important because it's only division winners that are in, right? Just like the what? National Football League, which is the model they are following here. Everyone has called it NFL light. (laughs) Makes sense, doesn't it? And this is what Chip Kelly was talking about. And if you don't think that this model that I'm bringing up has been proposed internally, well, I don't know what to tell you. You're just in denial like all the people who want to try to throw trash at Florida State for being the ones, again, who had the backbone to act on their situation. So everybody's trying to make it, oh, look at them. They hate the ACC. That's mean. Come on. Come on. What year are we living in? Virginia Tech, where might they go? They are not an AAU member currently. That is something the Big Ten really, really values, right? Money is something they value more than being an AAU member. (laughs) So it's not a requirement to join the Big Ten. Preferred? Sure. So, I've had people say since Tech's not an AAU, they wouldn't be attractive. I don't agree with that because I think there's a bigger thing going on at Virginia Tech. Right? And that is money. Revenue creation because of you, the fan base. You travel to games. Big Al, one of our listeners, has been to 300 and almost 400 games. I don't want to have the number wrong, Al, so I'm going to say you're getting close to 400. I sit over there amazed. Tech tailgate shows. No matter the opponent, no matter the record, place is just crawling with maroon and orange. No black, by the way. No black uh, tech gear. But, but, I digress. Tech has a built-in advantage because of what you, the fans, have created. You should take credit for that. Because it is real. It's not really debatable. I've had people who come up to me who, you know, are Virginia fans who don't like Tech, and they talk about, why do you talk about these fans? I said, do you open your eyes? Do you not understand that the entire New River Valley relies on Virginia Tech football? Do you not go to games? Do you not see what the television cameras catch when they're at Lane Stadium? Do you not know that Thursday night football was created specifically for Blacksburg? Right? Am I wrong? No, not. <laughs> I'm not. Why do you think they take so much time every year to show the tech entrance with Metallica? Why do you think before the season starts on social media when they have the college football countdown, random accounts, not even associated with tech or the ACC, you can find them everywhere on Twitter, will say, hey, we're six days out before this happens again. 
And inevitably, they'll show the Sandman open from when Tech hosted Carolina a few years ago when Sam Howell... Sam Howell's now the Mike Vick of the ACC. ...led Carolina in the Lane Stadium in Justin Fuentes last year. They beat him. Coming out of the COVID nonsense and that crowd, they show it every year. Because Virginia Tech's fans have created a reputation as being amongst the most passionate fan bases in college football, not only now, but maybe in history. And that's congratulations to the people at Tech and to you, because it's real fanship. It is real affinity. You've stood by them through the god-awful Justin Fuente era. You got angry. You understood that's not the respect the program deserved. You understand that it got sideways quickly. Whit Babcock made horrible decisions during that time. As a new AD coming in, trying to run away from what the fan base and what that program means not only to Tech but to the surrounding community. He had an easy hand to play, but he decided to try to do it his own way, and it backfired big time. Now in a couple years, he's going to ease into retirement and he'll probably sit on his porch when he's on vacation and go, yeah, I really messed that up, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did. Kudos to Brent Pry for restoring a lot of that as he continues to try to rebuild this thing the way that Tech Fan appreciates it being rebuilt. But because of that, I do believe... There's no way that any of these executives, and trust me, they do. I mean, you talk about Jim Harbaugh getting in trouble for stealing signs and sending scouts to opponents. If you don't think that these other leagues have people working for them that aren't paying attention to what schools that aren't currently invited into their leagues are doing and what kind of response they get, revenue investigations, right, then you're wrong. They do. And Virginia Tech, I'm sure, checks a lot of boxes. A lot of boxes. Now, many have said they believe, from an academic standpoint, the Big Ten will be a better fit for Virginia Tech. And I won't sit here and say that I disagree with that. Like, I know what you're saying. I get it. If Tech were to apply for AAU membership because of their amazing engineering legacy and other programs, they would likely be accepted, I'm guessing. Just what gets lost in the whole thing is what an unbelievable academic institution Virginia Tech is. I think that gets lost far too much, especially from our friends in Charlottesville. But I digress. It makes more sense to me. And I'm just looking at this from a you who have built the program, fans, and what you want. And I ask all of my diehard tech fans, right? I've got buddies. I've got people I work with. I've got casual um, folks that I know where I go when I shop. And I ask the questions. And inevitably... Inevitably, 9 out of 10 
say the SEC is who they would like to see Virginia Tech join. And I get it, and that's who I agree with. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm just looking at this from a fan perspective. You, for instance, the fan. And I don't know who else they may add. I'm guessing there would be two, three, four ACC members joining the SEC, which would make it even more of a viable thing. Virginia fits the Big Ten. Virginia Tech fits the SEC. Because the SEC would not waste the opportunity to promote and make Virginia Tech's fan base one of their highlight fan bases in their entire league. You, as Tech fan, deserve to have home conference games against Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, right? That excites you. It's the biggest brand in college football. That turns Virginia Tech Saturdays at home into something that we haven't even seen yet. (laughs) Because, trust me, and I always get scoffed at when I bring this up, The money would be raised so quickly to expand Lane Stadium, it would make your head spin. That same Virginia Tech fan base, you're not going to get excited. Hey, look at the home schedule. The Big Ten sending us. Hey, look, Northwestern's here. Iowa comes here. And even the bigger brands, Wisconsin. There's no correlation between Virginia Tech and any of those Midwestern schools. Yeah, you would support it because you're a wonderful fan base. But boy, you want to stir passion. Let's create some Southern extended rivalries into the biggest brand in college sports, SEC football. Let's have the Arkansas Razorbacks slide in here on a Saturday afternoon at 3.30. All right? Am I wrong? Is there any Tech fan out there who would be as excited to play Big Ten teams? Yeah, I know. Ohio State and Michigan, that would be cool. Even UCLA, USC, big brands, but there's nothing there to correlate. Absolutely. Text message. Let's be honest. We're a southern state. We are. We are considered a Southern state. That's our roots. That's our heritage in terms of college football and what we're connected to. Texas and Oklahoma. Tell me how excited you would be (laughs) if on a Thursday night, the Oklahoma Sooners are heading to Blacksburg. Right? Come on. That game would sell out. Tickets would go on sale, whatever extended tickets there were. That game would sell out in 10 minutes. I don't think that's going to be the case if Michigan State comes to Blacksburg. I mean, I'm sure it would sell out, but you're not going to feel the same way about it. My point being, the Tech fan base has made it more of a fit into the SEC. Because you're going to respond regardless. I know you are. Because look at it now. You're responding now to these horrible ACC teams that are coming in. You're going to respond to this god-awful 2024 home schedule that's being presented because that's what you do. 
So in my opinion, from a pure football, I don't, I'm not getting in the academic part because this whole advisory council is not at all considering the academic part. Let's stop trying to – I mean, I don't like it. All right, I don't like to sit here and, and be a proponent of this, but let's stop trying to make this about academics because it has nothing to do with academics. Let's stop trying to pretend to be the NCAA and what they were trying to represent all those years when they were sitting around going, hey, they're getting their education. It's all about the student athlete. By the way, Bob and Steve and Billy Bob, they're all pocketing millions and millions of dollars because, well, that's just because that's the way it is. So let's not... Uh, don't don't fog this with trying to say the right thing, right? Because it doesn't fit here. It's not applicable. And I'm sorry, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, we want these guys to get their education. Absolutely. That's what college is about for non-student athletes. That's why you're going to college, to get a better job. That's not what big-time college football is about. It's just not. So let's just stop. Stop pretending that the Big Ten and the SEC is going to make any decision based on academics. Big Ten already has its academics. They added two-way schools in that regard, UCLA and USC. I believe all but one or two of their members now, somebody can, well, you might already be doing it. We're getting a lot of text messages. I don't know how many are AAU members. They've already got the academic status they need. And, yeah, it's important to those presidents. But you know what's more important to those presidents? Money, revenue, keeping their jobs, keeping their way of life. And the way you're going to do that is maximizing the breakaway here that's coming up with the SEC and the Big Ten. You're either going to be a have or a have not. Will Stewart's been fretting about it how many times now? Last two years here on the program. Talked about it last Friday. What happens if Virginia Tech's left out? I don't want to think about that world. That's what he says. Talks about it on the uh, Tech sideline message board. Right? What if we're left out? But I really don't think you're going to have to worry about it, Tech fan, because of you. And I mean that as sincerely as I've ever said anything on this show. I can't imagine... Once you get down to, let's say, the SEC gets the first four teams in, they're looking for two more. What about Virginia Tech? What's going to put them over the top? Well, let's go back to not-so-distant future. Let's go back to the history of, oh, let's say 1995, up until the Justin Fuente disaster, and look where they were in the top 25 rankings. Look at the players they churned out. And look at now what they are coming out of that era with this fan base and what they're trying to become under Brent Pratt. Fans never left. The excitement never left. And if you don't think that matters, well, why do you think Vanderbilt's under such consideration, and it's legitimate, by the way, to be asked to leave the SEC? You don't think as hard as Florida State's working behind the scenes with their legal team, to disband the grant of rights in the ACC, do you not think that the SEC and Greg Sankey's trying to figure out a way to um, uninvite, if you will, <laughs> Vanderbilt for the ride? But you see, they do have the academic piece, I'm told. Yes, they do. 
much like Duke in the ACC. But you notice out of all these expansion rumors, you haven't heard the name Duke one time, and this is with a blue-blood college basketball program that was led by the all-time winningest coach. He's not the greatest coach in basketball history, but he's the all-time winningest. That's John R. Wooden, by the way, the greatest coach in basketball history. But I digress. There's so many things that are going to happen, and Big Al asked the question earlier in one of his text messages, and Al, I don't know the answer, but I do know that that is under consideration. You know how I know this? Because Joel Klatt said it a year and a half ago. He said it again three weeks ago. Charter existing schools in the SEC and the Big Ten are evaluated. What if they're told they're out? That's what Al asked. And I don't know how they address it. I don't understand how they would address it. There's a lot smarter people than me. All right, we got to come back. I've gone over time here. We'll be back to wrap up our number one. Stay with us. Separated. By the way, Big Al's streak is 361. <laughs> 361. 361 consecutive Virginia Tech home and or away games for Big Al. That's incredible. All right. We're done with hour number one. We'll get into our guests. We'll talk about some of the stuff with Mike Burnup. Get an update on uh, Tech Hoops. They need their bye week, just like Radford needed their bye week this week. Let's see how Tech comes out of it. David Smith in Hour 3. He'll preview the Super Bowl, talk about all the uh, coaching hires in the NFL. More coming up, Hour number 2. Stay with us.